It's the Persistent and Nasty Podcast at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe 2023 series. The episodes will be released at various different times, so make sure that you have subscribed so you get notified when a new episode has dropped. We have some amazing guests coming up for you and I know that you won't want to miss them. They will be everything from circus performers to theatre makers to singers to spoken word poets and we can't wait to share all of them with you. Remember, if you are taking part in the Edinburgh Festival Fringe or you are just going for a visit, remember your rain jacket, your comfy shoes and a pair of shorts because you never know the weather that you're going to get in Edinburgh. But what you are guaranteed is some incredible pieces of theatre. Enjoy the episode and remember... Stay nasty. Hello you gorgeous lot and welcome to another episode of the Persistent and Nasty Podcast, Edinburgh Festival Fringe Series 2023. Elaine here, I hope that you are all looking after yourselves, being kind to yourself and each other. Well, the festival is officially over and I hope that you are all recovering, sleeping, um, rehydrating and just being uh, really gentle with yourself as you come out of the month of August and a uh, the intensity that is the Edinburgh Festival Fringe. Today is our last episode in the series and I chat with Wanza Piri, playwright and director of Waiting for a Train at the Bus Stop, which was on at Summerhall. We wanted our last episode to be about the experience of the festival, uh, all the ups and downs and everything else that comes with it. And it's another great episode with an incredible guest and I am gutted that I didn't get to see this show. Um, Wanza and I chat everything from becoming a playwright to um, her new plans, which are very exciting. And as I say, everything connected to the festival. And I hope that you enjoy. And for those of you who have had your first experience at the festival, I'm sure some of today's episode will resonate with you. If you support the work that we do, you can help us out. Today in the episode notes, there are two surveys that we would love you to fill out if you can. This is to help us be able to move forward with our plans that we have for 2024, both uh, with what you're looking for and also financially. So if you have the time, we would appreciate it greatly if you could fill out both of these uh, quick surveys. Um, Thank you. But you can also support us by becoming a persistent pal and a nasty hero and again the links for that are in the show notes of today's episode as well and once again to everybody who um, is a persistent pal nasty hero has ever given us the price of a cup of tea or coffee shouts about us on social media retweets shares all of that we could not be more grateful thank you thank you thank you you can follow us on social media Twitter at Persistent Nasty, Instagram at Persistent and Nasty, Facebook Persistent and Nasty. Check out the website www.persistentandnasty.co.uk where you can submit blogs or you can read some of the blogs that have been created for us by incredible artists. You can also check out our TikTok. That's right, I have reinstated the TikTok from about two years ago and we are at Persistent and Nasty. So um, please give that a little like, share, whatever the hell you do on TikTok. 
You can follow Louise and I on social media. Louise is at Ms. Louise Oliver on both Twitter and Instagram. And I am at Elaine Stirrett on Twitter and at Elaine.Stirrett on Instagram. Oh, for today's episode, oh, something comforting. So I think that's really whatever you fancy, whatever makes you feel nice and comforted, um, whether that is a big cup of coffee, um, some form of soft drink, uh, maybe a... I don't know why I always think tropical juice. Is it, it, is it because I really want it to be sunny? Quite possibly. Um, or, you know, you can always just have a good old cup of tea. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome to the Persistent and Nasty podcast. I'm really excited to get to chat to you today. Thanks for having me. Oh, no, I'm so, so glad to be able to chat to you. It's going to be slightly different because obviously the festival finishes today. Yeah. And uh, you finished yesterday? Yeah, we had our last show. How was it? Uh, it was good. It was really yeah. good. Um... I'd been going to like every single show, but the last couple ones, I was like trying to just sort out other things. Yeah. So it was really good to just go to see the final show and just like audience responses have been so great. And we had like a really lovely audience in as well. And like people just had really positive things to say. So it just ended on like such a high note. Gorgeous. And it was just, yeah, it was just really, it was really lovely. So your play is um, Waiting for a Train at the Bus Stop. Yes. Um, and it was on at Summer Hall. Yeah. Yeah. So first of all, how did you come to become a writer? Was that always your thing? Uh, it wasn't always my thing. Um, I think I've always wanted to be a writer mm-hmm. or wanted to be creative. Um, but when I was younger, I would kind of like write in different stories. And I've always kind of like really loved storytelling. So I read a lot. I watch a lot of things. I'm like, just love stories. Um, but it didn't really feel like something that I could do or like would know how to do or how to get started um and then a few years ago I entered a competition with um Amazon and got through as a finalist um through to that and that was a really big like yeah it was like really validating I was like oh my god am I talented what's happening (laughs) what (laughs) um so after that I started like uh writing a lot more I did Soho Theatre Writers Lab um did a few other things within theatre um and that was kind of like the the journey it's been like it's been quite a journey like since then but I've been writing for about three four years now so see that feeling that you talked about about not feeling that you could maybe do it do you think that was just it wasn't pushed at school or um I think it was like I think I was in in, like at school encouraged to be creative like English was always like one of my favorite subjects and, and things like that I think more just when I was younger I was thinking a lot around career choices yeah and I don't think you're you're given that as an option it's like oh like you should be a yeah like do you want to be a writer like what um so I think it was more just like not something I saw as an option to do professionally and then as I got older and like worked in different professions and I've changed jobs like quite a few times um it just yeah became more of like oh this is something I could do and and Yeah. yeah So um, I always love to ask writers what their process is because I think like for the listeners it's a really interesting one to hear. Yeah. But also I love hearing everybody's different approaches to it, and I'm yeah. like, ooh. <laughs> um, I I don't know if I have a consistent process. I love that even more. So I 
because this is my uh, Waiting for a Train is the second play that I've written. So the first play I wrote, I wrote on the Soho Theatre Writers Lab. So that yeah. was quite a structured um, way of writing because we had deadlines and we had a drama tag, and um, you know it was like submit a scene, submit the first draft, redraft, like things like that. So it felt like you know that was very structured. With Waiting for a Train, I didn't actually know what I wanted it to be or what it was going to be for like a really long time. Um, I started writing some poetry. Um, I started doing research into like some of the themes and I'd like written kind of, I'd done like scratch nights and scenes. I was just kind of like writing things over the course of last year. And then I reached a point where I was like, actually there's like a common thread through all of these different bits. I could join them together and, and, and make a play. Um, so that's, yeah, that was a very kind of like haphazard process. Um, and, but then I did an R&D towards the end of last year and then I think doing that was where it kind of and all was started. was that at No, so that was at um, London Performance Studios. So they have um, an artist residency program called Seeding Space. Um, so they um, kind of gave me space for a week to come in. So I had a director and an actor come in and we kind of just like worked through the story and it was like, okay, like we've got all these bits but like, what does it mean and how does it come together? And yeah. yeah. I feel like that's not explaining the process. Yeah, I love it it's like, it's all... It just, it just appears. It's just appears. Yeah, it's appears. <laughs> Super, I love it. And you talked about poetry. Does that play a huge part in your script right now? Do you think? Like, yeah. Do you use that kind of poetry sometimes to be your stimulus for your scripts? So again, it was like this play. I just felt like I wanted it to have poetry in it, and I hadn't written poetry before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started writing poetry. I started like performing poetry as well. I was really like trying to get into the character yes. that I was writing. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah, it's a really big part of this play. And I think I really enjoyed just experimenting with a different medium and a different style of mm. writing and then integrating that into playwriting. I love that you did that because it's part of the character. Yeah. That's great. I love that so much. Um, so let's chat about uh, Waiting for a Train at a Bus Stop. Mm-hmm. Tell the listeners what the play is about, what inspired it. Yeah, so it's um, a one-woman show about a woman who becomes trapped inside a controlling relationship. And the play essentially charts the impact it has on her mental health and how she slowly starts to mentally kind of um, just start to deal with a lot of like mental health issues. Um, it, as I mentioned, it brings in spoken word poetry. It also brings in a lot of my heritage, which is Zambian, and a lot of our culture is around storytelling and oral traditions and like passing on like wisdom and knowledge through proverbs and stories. So that's kind of weaved in as well. Um, and yeah, I think I just was thinking a lot about this idea of coercive control and um, abusive behaviors that are kind of like norm or appear to be quite normalized within dating or people not recognizing that certain behaviors are abusive or yeah. are controlling or all of these things. And I wanted to kind of explore in a way like the subtlety of that and how that can build over time. So over the play, it starts off with her and she's this like amazing, bubbly, like happy person and she meets this guy and you know she doesn't really like him that much but he's okay and then they start dating and then it's just like slowly 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 these red flags start building until she reaches this crisis point because of the things that he's doing right um so it's really kind of looking at those kind of behaviors and how they appear um and how to kind of like watch out for that and this the journey this character goes on Okay, I mean, that's there's so much in there to unpick, right? First of all, like those relationships that you kind of don't notice it happening. Um, 
I'm probably, there's lots of people listening and I know myself, I haven't been in a relationship that, but I've watched friends be in relationships like that mm. and how those, you can start to see it happening long before they're even aware. Yeah. Um, how was that as a process to write? Because it is a really tricky subject to navigate. Yeah, so I did a, I did a lot of research. Um, I also did some training. There's a um, organisation based in London called Sister Space and they work with um, African and Caribbean women who are experiencing domestic abuse um, and provide them support. So they had training that they did where they kind of looked at all the different types of abuse um, because I think there's a strong focus on physical abuse because that's something that's quite... um, visible that you can kind of see it happening um but when I was like on this training and they were going through like emotional abuse financial abuse um like mental abuse like all of these different things um and how they play out and what that looks like Mm. um that I think really helped me narrow down what area I wanted to focus on and what what specific experiences I thought this character should have in order to kind of really communicate how this plays out in people's relationships and how um, it's difficult to kind of even someone who's in it to realise what's happening let alone someone who's outside of it to kind of see yeah yeah um, and how was the process of rehearsals for that then as well because obviously it's one of those ones that for everyone involved it's a balancing act of how you keep yourself okay yeah yeah I think just having to be super super flexible with rehearsals and you know not trying to do too much in in one in one day and there are some very kind of like um triggering scenes um there's like an assault scene there's a lot of trigger warnings like in in the play so I think having to be very communicating a lot with the person who was performing it and understanding like her comfortability and trying to take on board um and just trying to create like a very safe environment um not just to kind of talk about the play but also how it feels to perform the play how it feels to direct the play how it feels to kind of read it and like revisit these spaces like continuously over and over again um and asking her kind of like what does she need to feel safe and and how do we kind of create that environment where it's not putting her in a place yeah, that doesn't feel doesn't feel safe for her. So it could it could get to the point where it's like you've done maybe your halfway through rehearsals and it's like you know what maybe we just, we leave it today because that's not we don't want to be there yeah. right now. We can try again tomorrow and um, yeah, I think just leaving space for that. That's so healthy and so uh, encouraging to hear because you know for everyone as you say it's not just the performers that are in the room and that's the really important thing for everybody to remember I think and that can get forgotten about an awful lot and then people are kind of left with trauma for the day mm-hmm. so really lovely that you were just given that space and that safe that safeness um so obviously the show is now finished unfortunately in summer home <laughs> um but I'd love to know what your month has been like um, audiences, reactions, and then if you're okay with it, chatting about your experience of being at the festival for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the month has been, it's been a lot. <laughs> yeah. it's, been, it's been a lot. It's never, I keep telling people it's just been a baptism by fire because I've never so done this. is your first time. Yeah, yeah. first time in yeah. the fringe, first time actually having like a full like production on yeah um so it's, it's been quite wild i think that in initially it's 
you know, because as a as a rise, because I as a writer and I directed this piece as well, I've obviously like shown my friends my scripts and they've come to see scratch nights and things like that. But it's like having so many different opinions of your work from so many different people was I think just something that I hadn't like mentally like prepared for. And then sometimes and a lot of it has been really great, I've, especially from um, audience that have come to see it and like a lot of our like female audiences have come and, mm -hmm. and really like you know devastatingly been like this is so relatable and like it's so validating to kind of see that and like that's been I think really um affirming for me to have written it and people be able to see themselves in it and feel validated by it um I even had someone it was a, a man who like emailed me and said that he has a daughter and like wishes that she could watch it and all her friends could watch it and it really touched him and it really just helped him see like a different perspective so that side of it has been like amazing and yeah. like audience has been great um it's been super interesting getting like reviews in and seeing like what reviewers think and then like some of them are like oh this was really good and then others like not so good and it's just so much information to try and take in yeah just opinions on your work and you're yeah. like i kind of just want to sit back in my room and type again <laughs> without all these outside voices yeah. but it's been yeah it's been really great i think Reviewers are funny. We were chatting with uh, Dee Mulroney uh, from what was on Growler and uh, and uh, uh, Lydia Hegman from uh, I keep calling it Gunter because I'm so Scottish, but and we were chatting about how some reviewers just shouldn't go and see stuff because Ooh. some of it is just not for you. Yeah. Now, that's not to say that we should be policing that, but it's also, maybe if it's not for you, just go and see the show and don't review it. Yeah. Because you might then, I just, I don't know, I have a thing about reviewers that some people hold them to too high a standard, I think, and then maybe don't go and see something. Because should, of, yeah. yeah. I don't know, I think... So I think two points on that. So the first point is that I feel like I still always read the reviews because I'm like, there's probably something I can still learn from what they what they took from that. Yeah. Um, and if there was something that wasn't clear or didn't come across or or something like that, then I can kind of read it and be like, okay, like let me reflect on that and see if there's anything I, I kind of want to like take from that. So it's sometimes like helpful. But I think me personally, I I don't go see stuff based on reviews. Like I just I'm like oh like the synopsis looks good or like I'm interested in that writer or like I like that you know performer so I'll I'll go see it um but I think it's just been interesting from like a professional standpoint this being the first play that I've written that has had reviewers and just figuring out how to yeah how to take that in <laughs> yeah absolutely and it, yeah I mean I'm the same I don't I'll go and still go and see stuff no matter what if you says I think like when you're fighting for audience at a festival yeah that there's something kind of I think I think the reviewers have a responsibility a little bit more sometimes to be really aware of well who's brought this show in the first place is a big thing and yeah like you know are they working off of zero budget yeah and, like, no background support but they've managed to get their show here yeah like so really I am not saying that that's how we should judge everything because you know there's obviously lots of shows that I've got here that some people have really loved and other people have absolutely hated so that's yeah. the joy of art right yeah um, but I just think when you're fighting for audiences here, personal, that's just a little personal. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's 
maybe in London or, or somewhere else. Um, so that's kind of like my my hope for it. And um, yeah, definitely, as I said, audiences have been so amazing and so great. And you know, they've been like, you need to take this and more people need to see it. And like, yeah, I feel like that's really galvanized me to be like, yeah, I want it to have a life after this. Amazing. Um, and is the playtext available? Uh, no. Not yet. One day. <laughs> Me, like, I want to read it. Um, okay, I mean, fingers crossed for the tour then and everything that comes up. But um, because I think we've had a pretty great response here in Edinburgh. And that's always really helpful when you're then moving on to the next part of it. Yeah. And um, what about for you? Yeah. Are you going to be writing more as soon as you can? Uh, yes. So <laughs> I'm working on my next project, which is a interactive rap musical about... Sorry, say that again. <laughs> An interactive rap musical? Yes. I fucking love it. Yes. I'm here. I'm here for that. Yes. So I'm really excited to get started with that. Um, you have to have that ready for next year. That has to come. I mean, I'll, I'll get to get to typing, but... Yes. I mean, that is the... That's like fringe. That's it. You know. Yeah, so that's... Um, so that will be really fun. It's called One More Game. Um, I'm doing it through an arts residency at Arts Depot and also on the Overture Musical programme, which is with um, a bunch of different like venues and... Um, other organisations so yeah really excited to kind of like kick oh, off yeah. kick off that Amazing. that sounds great um, and just going back to um, Wayne for the Train just obviously solo performer yeah um, and how was that for both of you like you said you've known each other since you were young did you do that as well yeah so what was that experience like of working with someone that you've known since you were 11 but also directing them because yeah. it's, it's an interesting crossover. Yeah, I think across everyone, so not just my performer, but also my friend who was doing my marketing and stuff, I think we just had to have a chat about, like, what does it mean to work professionally? Um, how do we want to communicate with each other? What kind of, like, expectations do we want to set? And just really just being very open about, you know, you know, work is work, friendship is friendship. Um, during these hours, it's, it's rehearsals, it's work like this is the dynamic that like exists within the room and that doesn't bleed into you know um our friendship and our how we communicate on like a day-to-day so I think having that conversation early was like super helpful because then it's like everyone's just on the same page and and knows what they're doing but but at the same time there's a value in working with someone who knows you so well because it's like I'm saying like half a sentence and she's like, oh no way, I get it. And you're like, okay, cool. Yeah, that's, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's like, yeah. you're done. You don't have Short to. Hand yeah. yeah. Uh, I would love to ask as well, like, what is it, if you were to kind of say to an audience, what would they expect mm-hmm. when they see? Because they're going to see it because it's going to tour, because I know it. Point nine. And what can they expect to see in the show? So there's a, there's a quote from a review we got from um, Fringe Biscuit, which I really loved. And they described the show as a tightrope between joy and tragedy. Whoa, and nice. I was like, yes, I think that sums it up yeah, really nice. well. Nice. <laughs> um, also, I've got two more questions. Yeah. Because I know that you've got to get back to Summer Hall and clean out your stuff and then get back to, back to London. Yeah. Um, so my, <clears throat> ne- my next question is five words that would sum up 
a waiting for a train at a bus stop. Okay. I am saying that right, right? I'm not yeah. messing out. It's yeah, waiting like, for a train at the bus stop. At the bus stop. I knew yeah. I was messing out of there. I was like, <laughs> a word. Yeah, so five words that sum up waiting for a train at the bus stop. Ooh, okay. Um, I'm going to steal some words from people that have said it to me. So the one that comes up a lot is heartbreaking. Nice. Um, I mean, not nice for the heartbreak, but, but <laughs> we do love to cry. We do love it. Heartbreaking, uh, funny, um, intense. Um, that's three. I'm a writer and I can't think of words. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, my brain is done. Oh, last two words. I can't think of the word, but something around in, insightful. Nice. Insightful. Um, and then the final word is. I think just powerful. Yes. Okay. Um, Wanda, I want to ask one final question. Okay. Okay, so we are called Persistent and Nasty. Yeah. Uh, and um, our name is taken from kind of cultural moments when we set up. What's happened to me, American? Um, but they kind of fitted at the moment. We wanted to reclaim stuff that felt very much like um, a time of reclaiming things for women and non-binary people and our LGBTQ plus uh, siblings in it. So we picked two moments. Um, nevertheless, she persisted, fearless with Warren, and then the Twitter storm that was hashtag nasty women when the previous president of the United States uh, called Hillary Clinton nasty women. Um, so we love to ask people what does the phrase persistent and nasty mean to you when you see it, hear it, what does it make you feel, all of the above? I think it's about keep going without the fear that people won't like what you're doing it's like joining joining the two it's like you have to persist and you have to keep going and as long as you believe in what you're doing that's what that matters. I love that. I love that because faith in faith in what you are doing and what you're creating is really important. And I yeah. think like for artists in general, but for everybody coming to the fringe, it's like you need to keep the faith. Yeah. Like all yeah. of it. Um, yeah. So to sum up. We are looking forward to your interactive rap musical. Yes, me too, when I write it. Yes, I'm very excited. I'm looking forward to the playtext of uh, Waiting for a Train at the Bus Stop to be available so that I can read it. Um, and uh, just thank you so much for coming and chatting with me. Thanks for having me. This um, has been really fun. Yeah, it's, just been, it's been really lovely to meet you and chat with you. Um, and until next time, yeah. lovely listeners. Stay nasty. Yes.